Thank you for watching this online message from Riverstone Church. We hope that this content encourages you and helps you further develop your relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit riverstonechurch.net. There you can learn more about us, view additional messages, submit your prayer needs, and even give online. Thank you for watching, and may the Lord richly bless you. We're going to be looking at the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 17 through 24. And I know that Pastor McCready has been uh, sharing with you for the last few weeks about the, this wonderful book. And I'm telling you, the, 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 the information in this book and the richness of this, is gorgeous, it blows my mind. Uh, every time I read this book, uh, there's something new that I can learn from it. And of course, it's God's Word. So God's Word is new every morning. There is always a message for us. For us. Verse 17 says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must not longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. They have become Callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy practice, every kind of impurity. But that is not the way, hear this, but that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him. And as the truth it is in Jesus, to put off your, your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on a new self created after the likeness of God in true, and right, in true righteousness and holiness. Father, I thank you so much. I thank you for your goodness to us this morning. I thank you for the celebration of communion that, you, that we just had a few minutes ago. And as our brother Anthony listed a huge list of things that our Lord Jesus went through in order for us to be what we are today. It blows my mind. He gave it all so that we can have everything. And he closed out the list indicating that he took the old man... So that in him we can have a new man. And I thank you for that. Thank you because not, we're no longer live on our sinful nature. Thank you because of your sacrifice on the cross. We are a new creature in Christ Jesus. Father, and I pray that you will be the one leading me to share with these people this morning. I pray that you open their hearts and their minds to, to hear what your word has to do. And I pray that your presence will flow freely. In the mighty name of Jesus, I ask you this, O oh Lord. Amen and amen. Chapter 4 of the book of Ephesians is a very wonderful chapter. The apostle opens up the book talking about the unity of the church. And the unity of the body of Christ is essential for the well-functioning of the church itself. And when I see that, it, it reminds us of the need 
for us to be careful the way that we conduct ourselves, the way that we treat our fellow brothers and sisters, the way that, you know, we come into the house of the Lord. When I see the need for unity, I have to be reminded that sometimes, you know, I might not like the one person the same way I like the other, but I still have to show respect, has to show um, um, dignity, has to show um, you know, the, the fact that the presence of God is in that person, I need to honor that. The second thing that this chapter deal is with, the, you know, building the, the body of Christ, building the church, building the body. And the way that the Christ does that is by giving the people in the church certain gifts so that they, can, they are able to, uh, to train God's people, to teach God's people, to guide God's people. And the third part of that is God's pattern or principle of how the member of the church should conduct themselves, how the member of the church should live. And this is a very uh, interesting part because when you read the book, you, will see, you, you find key words are purpose, counsel, and will. And it's like God's blueprint for us to live in a way that is pleasing to him. And I was thinking about the, the, the word blueprint. You know, when you're going to build a house, you just don't go over there and start digging the ground. You first, you figure out exactly what type of house do you want, in which way, you know, how many rooms, what are you going to do. You don't, you don't throw the seeds just for throwing seeds. You, you design how you want to plant the seeds. So this God's plan for his church is similar to that. So God had an intended purpose in preparing his people in order to to the well-functioning of the church. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Paul desire is written in, Paul desire in this letter is written in 1, 15 and 17. It's the obedience to grow in faith, in love, in wisdom, in the revelation of God, and to walk in a way that is pleasing to God at all times. The focus that he's presenting here is that the believers are not to walk Sorry, that the believers are to walk in holiness as well as in unity. Paul showed two different ways how they should not walk and how they should walk in a positive way. The wealth and information here is overwhelming. We find the unity, the building, and the principle. The apostle here is trying to hammer down the point of the necessity of the unity of the body, and he does that in a way that there is no rock on turning. When I think about, you know, Paul trying to tell the, 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 the church or the believers how to conduct themselves, it's a way that I can think, you know, when, when you build a new house, you make sure that the, every pillar is in the right place. You don't put a pillar that at night time you have to get out of the house running away and you run into the pillar. You make sure that the pillar is out of the way. So God built his church in a way that he put the things in place so that the body is edified in the right way. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So Paul is talking about that. So when you read, for example, First and Second Corinthians and in the book of Galatians, you will see that Paul had to call out the Christian because they're not conducting themselves the way that they should. They're not walking the way they should be walking. The, the unity on the church is not present there. So when you read Ephesians, it's going to refresh your heart, refreshing your soul, because Paul is not calling them out for not doing what they're supposed to be, but teaching them how to conduct themselves in the house of the Lord. 
and how to live a life that we will bring glory to the honor and uh, to the glory and honor to the Lord. Blessed be his name. So the, the, the first part of this book you will see is the apostle elaborates in the implication of redemption. What does that mean? In the deliverance from sin, the new life of victory, the mystery of unity of the saints and the union in Christ. The unity in Christ, so the, the phrase in Christ is appeared about 160 times in all Paul's letters. And just in the book of Ephesians appears 36 times. So he's trying to tell us something about the need to be in Christ. What it means, what it means to be in Christ. What it means to, be, to walk in Christ. What it means to be... Uh, 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 so what it means to, to dwell in Christ. So he's trying to hammer down this point clearly. And we see that by the way that he takes the old man... And compare that to the new nature. So when you think about the Old Testament, the Gentiles were not part of you, if you could say, you know, they, they were not taken into consideration, I would say, uh, into the family of Abraham. So it was like a boundary that was built around them. But in Christ Jesus, the boundary is removed. And now God's family is extended just not to the Jewish, but to every man on earth. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So everyone is included in this new covenant. In the last half of the book, the ethical implication I set forth in terms of the Christian unity, the walk, the love, the humility, the constructing human relation, relation and the victorious warfare against evil and full reliance on a spiritual reality. One body, one church, Christ the center. Hallelujah. We can learn that. You can learn a whole lot about the Ephesians and, cha and the chapter 19 of the book of Acts. You can learn how Paul got, uh, got there. You can learn how, what, uh, how things transpired there. For two years he ministered there. It was not always easy to present the gospel. There were, you know, rebellion from the people. There were persecution of the people. But in the midst of all, God's word grew among the Ephesians. And now we can see how Paul described his relationship to this church. And, the, and he, right here we see that he tells the people, we are on earth, but we shall not live as children of the earth. We have been changed. We are transformed. We are renewed. And this goes in opposition to those who do not know Christ, to the unbeliever. And in verse 1, he tell you the reason why. Sorry, in verse 17, he tell you the reason why. He said, so I'll tell you this, and I insist in the Lord that you what? That you must not walk according to what? That you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of what? Other mind. So the first thing that I'll tell you is these people, these unbelievers, their minds are darkening. Because they believe lies and do not receive the truth. There is spiritual death. And they have surrounded themselves to all kinds of sins. And again, I make reference to, you can go back to at 19. And he tell you this, to walk. Paul is imploring the believer to live in a matter or to live in a way that is according to what? To the high calling of God. And what is this calling? 
that they should live in what? In sanctity. That they, live, that they should live what? How? In unity. That they should live what? According to the things that they learn from Christ. That they should be, that they should be a people that reflect to the world that they're being transformed, renewed, and changed by the blood of Jesus Christ. He said, you should not walk according to them. And the reason why is because he said, so I say this, I think together with the Lord, that you no longer just walk as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind. This mind of them is darkening. This mind of them is blind. This mind of them is in rebellion. This mind of them have completely, uh, do not completely understand the grace of God. So when you think about that, Paul tells the believers not to walk in the man. The futility here is like a, is the Greek word metanoite, which means the inability to reach the goal or intended, or intended target, which means they're walking without knowing where they're headed. I don't do that. I don't take my car and drive without a direction because I'm a run out of gas. And who is going to come after me? How many of you do that? I just feel like driving. Oh, <laughs> so, it's, it's, you know, this walking is in the futility of the mind. He said, you know, not reaching, you don't have a a place where you had it from. So he tells them not to do that. So in, in all the letters, Paul reminds the Christians that they must no longer cling to the graves of the Judaism. And here, in a similar way, he urges the Gentiles not to fall back to the old-fashioned way. And why is that? Because they're darkened in their understanding. They're excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Because, they're hard, because of the hardness of their heart. And verse 19, this reprehensive attitude is straight to his source. The men are impeded by mental fault that blows out the divine line. The produce of this is seated ignorance. Hardness. It's like a medical terminology. When you take a bone, you break a bone, and you put that bone together, that bone will reset, and that callus will, be, will become harder than the bone itself. See, that's what sin will do to you. Disobedience will do that to you. And you will not be able to hear the word of the Lord. So when we think about that, it says, Unserve man's heart is hardening against God. He's like a stone toward all that is spiritual. The hardness of their heart toward God causes their ignorance. Their alienation causes their mind to be darkened. And their darkened minds cause them to walk in the futility of their mind. So again, they walk in a way that is not pleasing to the Lord. And when we think about that, you know, we, we as believers have to understand that we grow in the Lord. What, what, is, the, what is going on in here? He said that do not live as the Gentiles live. We are... Gentiles, all of us that were not born into the Hebrew family, we're Gentiles. But now, because of the sacrifice of Christ, we are part of the family of God. And some of the Christians were using their spiritual freedom in a way to enjoy themselves or indulge themselves in what? 
and giving pleasure to the flesh. So Paul writes to them in Titus 2, 11 and 12, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires, and to live sensible, righteous, and godly manner in the present age. So these, some of these believers were thinking that if it grace cancel my sin, then it doesn't matter the way that I live. And there's many Christians today that think about the same way. And let me tell you, that is not pleasing to God. Because we are called to be renewed. Amen? We are called to be released and we should not abuse the grace of God. We should not abuse the grace of God. In Ephesians 2, 1 and 2, Paul says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now is at work in the sons of what? Or disobedience. Ephesians 2, 11, 12 says, Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the circumcision by which is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were what? At that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and a stranger to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God on this earth. He said, you were there. And when you read the, the book of Ephesians, one of the things that you're going to be seeing is the we versus the you. But this we and this you in Christ Jesus become one, become one body in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. This man, this old man was Carlos because he had given themselves to what? To sensuality, to the practice of every kind of impurity and with it. In, in with greediness. This is talking about a person who cast off all restraint and has no regard even for public dances, decency. And that's exactly what we see in our society in the, uh, today. Everything that we thought that was value, that has moral in it, we have turned, turned those away and we are just jumping into what? Into whatever is popular. But let me tell you, the church of God the body of Christ must walk in a way that is reflected of his word. It doesn't matter what is popular over there. Over there. If it's not according to God's word, then we must, we must reject it. If it's not according to God's word, we must not welcome that into our house, into our churches. Amen. So the, these, these people become callous. So the heart is so the heart is hard and dark and ignorant of God will also be what? Impure. So Paul tells them, Paul is saying, the place to start in living as a Christian is to recognize that you must what? Think different than you say men do or does. The Christian life starts where? In the mind, because of the lack of sensibility, the Gentiles gave themselves to what? To every kind of vices, to every kind of ungodly living. So you can see that clearly in Romans chapter 1, verse 18 
and following. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all what? Ungodliness, unrighteousness of men, who by the unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God, what? God has showed them to them. Verse 24 said, Therefore God gave them up to what? To the loss of their hearts, to the impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth of God for what? For lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. And you can read the whole chapter 1 in Romans, and you will see how the how the mind of the prey or the unbeliever works in function because why? Because they had chosen to not recognize the Lord. So there is an oppression of mind that we have to be careful on that. And I think that many churches today neglect to preach godly life. And I'm telling you, Church is not an entertainment. Church is a place of healing. Church is a, the church is a place of restoration. The church is a place to, you know, to find righteousness. The church is a place of transformation. The church is a place where God meets with his people, regardless where that person is, God is at work. And when we neglect that, we get people coming in the church and getting out of the church. And they just come every day, every time, just the way they change. Because they don't feel the need to change because it's not being taught. And we have to be very careful for that. Paul is right in 2 Corinthians 12, 21 and, tell, and tells them, he said, I'm afraid that when I come again, my God may humiliate me before you, and I, may, and I may mourn over many of those who have sinned in the past and not repented of their what? Of their impurity, sexual immorality, and this indecent behavior which they have what? practiced. So this man, this old man, is always inclined to do the things that is not pleasing to the Lord. And I feel sorry for people sometimes who they say have been in church for 10, 20 years, but the, 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 the old man is still clinging to them. And it's like God is, in, in, God is not able to change the person. And it, it's not that God is not able, it's that we like to open the door for the old nature, for the old man to what? To be always with us. Paul again tells, I tell you, do not live just as was, as the Gentiles live. The, they used to behave this way. They used to do the things that way. But now in Christ, our mind is transformed by the grace of God. Praise be the name of the Lord. This new man is in contrast to what? To the old man. And I like that part because, you know, when we were dead in our sin and our trespass, Christ just didn't see us dead in our sin and our trespass. Said, You're okay right there. No, no, no. He left his throne of glory. He suffered every punishment that you and I should suffer so that we could be restored to the relationship 
of God the Father. And that's one of the things that you will see in this, in, in this powerful book of Ephesians. Is you, you will see the work of the Father, you will see the work of the Son, and you will see the work of the Holy Spirit. So the, the triune God is a working here in order for us to be transformed in a way that is pleasing to Him. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Thank you, Jesus. So it talks about, you know, in verse 19, it said, you know, they have become callous and gave themselves to, up to sensuality, greedy practice, every kind of impurity, and, and what? But that is not the way that you want. You learn Christ, assuming that you heard about Christ, and you were taught by Christ. And I like this, this Bible verse right here because Paul is trying to hammer down the fact that there has been, trans, there has been transformed, there have been changed by the grace of God. When Paul is talking to them and said, you know, you, it's not literally taking to you, you were taught by Christ because most of these people did not live during the time when Christ was walking on earth, but these people heard the message. When he's talking about being taught, it's not simply going to church for one day and receiving one Sunday class. This is talking about people that have, been, uh, that have become disciples, you know, that have become the devotees of Christ, hallelujah. And therefore, they're ready to put off the old self and take on the new just to please their Lord and Savior. How many of you praise the Lord today? Hallelujah. Amen. So the Lord is good. So putting on the old self. And I was thinking about that, you know. This assuming that you what that you heard about what that you heard about him and were taught about him. Three key words right here. You were what learn, you were you you heard, and you taught. And these three right here, the the, the things that it's telling you is what is the thing that you heard? What is the thing that you were that you learned? What is the thing that you were taught? Well, it's talking about God. It's talking about man. It's talking about creation. It's talking about salvation. It's talking about what uh, heaven. It's talking about earth. It's talking about redemption. It's talking about uh, heaven, earth, judgment. So it, and, and everything in it that includes the grace of God for us. Everything in there. So you must, he said, you must put away your sins. You must live a life that you know that is different from the life. Of the unbeliever. So when you think about that, you know, it's talking about, you know, you learned something new. To learn Christ is more than just receiving catechism, instruction. It's to become Christ-like. The non-Christian problem consists in the futile thinking, darkening of the mind, callous heart, and continual lust. Again, look at our society today. I feel sorry for the, a lot of the laws that our government is passing today. This week, the student decided to walk out the school. Because of what? Because some of the laws that, that the state government is trying to pass. Our school are bombarded with this futile thinking, with this futile mindset. And every ungodliness is embraced. So, how will this be handled by the body of Christ? What should we expect the believer to do? What will Christ think about it? And again, it goes back to, oh, this is popular. Everybody is doing it. 
everybody's doing it, if he doesn't pick the Bible, it's not valid. And we have to reject that. To learn Christ is a new phrase that occurs only in this book. Paul does not say that you learn about Christ, but rather he's saying you did not learn Christ in this way. He is saying that to become a Christian is a matter of coming to know Jesus. Coming to know Jesus. And I, and I like this part because, you know, when you know Jesus, your life changes. One of the, the students that I had the privilege to work with in Peru, his name was Edwin Espinosa. He was a gang leader. He was a thief. I mean, his neighborhood, nobody will mess up with him. He had a bunch, uh, he had a crowd that, that was with him all the time. And he was challenged to come to the church one day, and he brought his, his whole group with him. He was a drug dealer. He was a thief. He was a troublemaker. He was a menace to society. And so were all of those with him. Pastor preached. I remember very well the church where this event happened. The pastor preached a message. And made an auto call. Some of his friends thought that Edwin was a chicken. So they challenged him to go to the front. And to show his friends that he was not a chicken, he came to the front. And as a consequence of that, the rest of the crowd, afraid of what we, what we do to them, came to the altar too. But the altar call happened during the offering time, and they thought that they came to rob the church. They thought that he came to rob the church. So everybody church that knew him and the crowd with him thought we're doomed. But he gave his heart to Christ right there. And some of the people with him. And Eddie ended up in the Bible Institute where I had the opportunity to teach him and became a pastor. So the old life changed. You know, he didn't go back to the old self after declaring Christ as his Savior. There was a transformation in his heart that was visible to everyone that knew him. And to me, that, that is exactly what the Word of God does to us. You know, that the spiritual blindness... That the insensibility to the spiritual matters goes away. And the, the eyes of our heart is open to see the grace of God at work in his people. Hallelujah. And because of this grace, all the people get to experience this thing. Because they see that God is just not a fictitious guy or a fairy tale. He's a real God capable of changing a human being. It doesn't matter how deep in sin that person may be. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Can you praise the Lord today? And, and I couldn't believe the change in this man. Because that, that's what he says, you know, the, 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 the darkness was removed from him. And there was, a, there was a 
desire in his heart to please the Lord in every possible way. And the best way that he thought that he could please the Lord was by training and preparing himself to become a minister of the word of God. And because of his testimony, he was able to go into places that many people were not there to go because they were afraid to be robbed or to be killed or to be hurt. But you know what? He wasn't afraid of that because God drove him out of there. He knew how to conduct himself in that area. And man, and the transformation and God's power, the, the transformation of God in this man's life, it just, you know, blows my mind. So Paul tells that's what the presence of the Lord does. When, you, when you're taught by Christ, you no longer walk like the Gentiles walk. Now, what does that say to me? It means that I had to experience change in my heart. I had to be mold. I had to be renewed. I had to start walking in a different way. So if when, once you hear God, once you receive Christ and when you talk about Him, your life should reflect only the things that will reflect the presence of the Lord. Why? Because the old self has to be put. What? Put down. Put away. He said, you know, the phrase in him so much Paul's view on what it means to be a Christian. Last uh, Tuesday, we were, talk about, we were talking about in the Hispanic class about John 16, the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. And somebody asked a question that was away from that. A question about, you know, the, the end times. And someone said, wait, 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 before we hit the end times, why don't we define first what is a Christian? Because today, you see, we have many type of Christians and many type of churches that declare they're Christian. But in principles or in teaching, this is not the case. So to me, when I was thinking about the question from that man, I said, look, look what Paul said right here. So in chapter 1, Paul said that the, the Christians are what? They said that they are saints. They're faithful in Christ. 1-1. One, one. We have received a spiritual blessing in Christ. 1-3. God has chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world. 1-4. In Him we have, the rende we, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, our sins. 1-7. He made us now what? The mystery of His will, which He purposed in Him. 1-9. In Him we have obtained an inheritance. One thing, in him we have been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. One thirteen, God's surpassing power toward us is revealed in Christ. Amen. When Christ was raised from the dead. So that's what it means to be a Christian. So he reinforced that in 22. He said, in reference to your own self. Now, he's going to say, what is going to happen to your own self? What, what he said. He said, the former manner of life and is corrupt of and deceitful desire and to be what? To be renewed in the spirit of your mind and to put a new self created after the likeness of God and through righteousness and holiness. How many of you after a hard day of work, whether you're working in construction and in mechanics or just in the office, whatever it is, 
you go home to take a shower and you put on the same clothes. How many of you do that? Or sometimes you don't have a clean sock, so you put the same old rocky sock back. <laughs> there is a new way right there. We don't do that. See, and I putting on putting off the old self. You know, and this is interesting. Because a lot of Christians think about this putting, putting off this old self, but they don't think about putting on the new self. In Luke 15, we have the parable or the story of the prodigal song. Father, give me what is mine. And a few words, he was telling his father, I don't care if you're dead. I just want my inheritance. Just give me what is mine. And the Bible said that he took, he gathered together everything that he owns. Yeah. My understanding is his pillowcase, his suitcase, his shoes, his whatever he had, his little toys when he was a kid, whatever. And he went away and it spent every little bit of it. Well, you know, a, a fool and his money are soon parting. Can you praise the Lord? But when the money's gone, then you will know who your true friends are. And that's one of the things that is very sad. I mean, I grew up in Latin America, and I remember parents buying 40, 50 beers for their friends, but they would not buy a notebook for their children. I mean, they will have lots of friends drinking with them. But they will not invest a dime in the house. And when this person got sick, guess how many friends came to check on him and buy medicine? No one. Because they're not true friends. So when you think about this, you know, the, the, uh, the, this young man goes away, spends everything that he has, have a great time of celebration, and little by little, his money goes away. Because the problem with money is that you can only spend it once. If you have another way, let me know so I can. <laughs> you know, and little by little, all these friends were leaving him. So he comes to his senses and says, my goodness, I had done wrong. I'm, right now I deserve what I'm going through. I had everything I could possibly have in and more. And I just to think about my father hiring. My father treats them with decency. They get a salary. They are well treated. They're really doing well. And I'm a rightful child. And I have nothing left. And right now I have what? I stink. Hogs. The mud, the sweat, everything else right now stinks. You know, and I can think about it and say he probably hasn't taken a shower in a few days. He probably has no shoes by now. 
He only had rocks to cover himself up. He got up and said, I had to do something about this situation. And he goes back home. And not far from where he was, there's a father always waiting for him, expectantly, hoping that one day this child will realize how much he left behind. Hoping that one day this child will realize how much is loved. Hoping that one day this child will realize how foolish he acted, hallelujah, and recognize that their father's love is never too short to forgive, hallelujah. And as he was coming from far away, his father's eye were fixed on him, and he saw that son and ran to him and hugged him. But you know what? The father didn't invite him to the house just the way he was. He said, boy, hey, hey, we got to make some changes right now. There is a, there's a body in this house, and we're going to have to make preparation for it. Change his clothes, change his shoes, change everything in him. Let's make him, him feel welcome. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So that it was a transformation in this gift forever. So the old self, the rocks and everything else is put away. And what the Father is saying is, come to the place where you belong. Come to your Father's embrace. Come to the, to the house where you were born, because this is your rightful place. Amen. There is a transformation in there. So he said, put away. I can think about Joseph when he was in the jail. And somebody said, whoa, I remember my fault. I remember my sin. There's a guy over there in jail. That, I, you know, that did something for me. He is able to interpret dreams. And Pharaoh asked for him to come to his presence. But you know what? Before he came to his presence, he said that he was bathed and he changed clothes. No more prisoner. You're a free man now. And let me tell you, after he interpreted the dream for Pharaoh, things really changed for him. Because then he was put on royal clothes. Can you praise the Lord? Putting away. Amen. Amen. Putting away. The old self. So, so this man, this old man, the Bible says that is what is renewed in the spirit of the mind. So the, the old self is corrupt by, by, the, by, the, by the lust of deceit. So this present thing, they're not continuing action to what? To do what is wrong. And Paul tells them, don't live this way. So be renewed is a present past infinity, which means that it's an ongoing process. Most commentators see this renewal as a spiritual growth or practical sanctification. And they say that this takes place by renewing your mind, which, the, which to them means spending time in God. In what? In God's word. Spending time in prayer. Spending time in meditation. Spending time in fasting. Spending time in seeking God. Spending time in the fellowship of the body of the believer. Blessed be the name of the Lord, hallelujah. This is the renewal of the mind. This renewal of the mind is a covenant transformation from the old to the new. The renewal of the mind is the mind of Christ. The renewal of the mind is not something that we do, but something that is happening to, to, the, to the same. The renewal involves progressive conformation into the likeness of Christ. The renewal that Paul is talking about is a positional renewal that is happening in the first century, uh, first century church. During this transition period, the church was moving from infancy to maturity. Paul reminds the vision that instead of being subject to this, to this deterioration, that there should be what perpetually renovated in the mind and in the spirit. To make new involves an element of restoration. 
since the image of God, impaired by the fall, is fully reinstated in creation. See? Our old self, which represents the fall, is made new in Christ. It's made new in Christ. And I love this part because, you know, Christians should undergo a what? A radical orientation of their mental look. We don't walk like the Gentiles walk because we are now transformed by the power of the gospel. And when you think about that, you know, this, this old man that is putting away is with the understanding that you're going to take something new. And what is this something new that, that you're going to take? I mean, you're going to take what? The likeness of God and put a new self, which is in likeness of God, which in the likeness of God has been created in what? In righteousness and holiness. This righteousness has to do to what? Has to do in terms of my relationship with my brother. And the, this holiness has to do in terms of my relationship with my Lord. So I have to live in a way that is pleasing to God at all times. So he tells them, you know, put a new self, which is in the likeness of God. To me, this is very in interesting because we are called to be changed by the power of the world. We were in darkness, but now we have come to the light. And as such, we must reflect the light of Christ in our lives. So how do you do that? So if you read the end of the passage, you will see that these changes to take off and put on, you take off what? Lies. You take off what? Anger, theft, gossip, revenge, promiscuity, and drunkenness. And you put on what? You put on truth, peace, generosity, encouragement, forgiveness, self-control, and what? And you are filled with God's spirit. You take off the first list, and you put on the second list, you know, which reflect what God's work in your heart. And I think that as a church, we have to be aware of that. We have to grow in the knowledge of Christ so that those around us see that his power is real, that his power is a transforming power, and that there is nothing impossible for him. Please stand up right now. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I just would like to open the altar. If, if, if the word of God has spoke to you today, I invite you to come forward. The Lord knows the things that you are struggling with. He knows what you need. God, thank you so much. Thank you for your presence, O oh Lord, in this place this morning.
Thank you for the way, O oh God, that you speak to us. These、uh, principles listed here, O、oh、God, and these standards in this creature, O、oh、God, are here for our own benefit. And I pray, Jesus, that you will help us. To be doers of your word. I pray that you will help us to, to be obedient to you. You're building your body by putting people in place, and you set principles for, by which we should walk, O、oh、God, and live. Walking in newness of life, O、oh、God, is what is expected of every believer. The old self must be put to death, the old self must be put away. Your word said in 2 Corinthians 5 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things. Have passed away and new things were created. So, God, as we dismiss the,、uh, this service this morning, I pray that your word will be with us. May your grace and your peace. Be reflected in each one of us, O、oh、God, as we declare your word, as we declare your kindness and mercy. And may the name of Jesus be glorified in our hearts, in our lips, in our mind. Because we do not walk according to the unbelievers, but we walk. According to your principles, I ask you this in the mighty name of Jesus, name that is above all name. Amen and amen. You may go in peace this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.